Coming to you entirely pre-recorded from the Garage of Solitude here in Queens, New York. It is I, Mario Francisco Robles, MFR here with you. And this is episode 176 of the Fanboy Podcast. Now, you might notice that, yes, I am indeed flying solo today. Brett is on the other side of the country on a business trip to California. So uh, I'm going to have to do this one, hold down the fort all by my lonesome. But you know what? That works because I have a lot to say today because this is it. This is the week. It finally happened. We were talking about it last week with all kinds of excitement. I mean, let's be honest. We've been talking about it now for weeks and months now. Uh, ever since James Gunn was announced as the new co-head of the uh, the newly formed studios known as DC Studios and announced that he was putting together what he refers to as the biggest story ever told. And it's going to be told across film and television and gaming and animation. We've been here pondering, contemplating, anticipating, speculating about what this uh, th this new lease on life for DC on film is going to look and feel like. What are the first projects that are going to be announced? And uh, last week we were hoping it was going to happen then, but it's funny. It's like a bad joke, right? Because he said he was going to reveal it in January, and boy, did he drag that out because it did not officially hit the presses until January 31st. How do you like that? So he says he's going to give it to us in January and he literally waits for the last day in January. It's kind of like, you know, you, you save your homework. You know, the, the big project is due on uh, next week, Friday, and you turn it in on Thursday at midnight, you know? So uh, yes, he did it. We have our slate. There's a lot to discuss. But first, a little backstory, because uh, this was interesting for me. Because on Monday, on Monday, January 30th, before the news had broken, a uh, little information hit the web there that he was holding, that James Gunn and Peter Safran were holding a special meeting, a top secret held under lock and key meeting with key members of the media to talk about what the slate is going to be and basically unveil the projects in secret to these members of the elite media, give them some quotes they could run the next day in a carefully controlled and embargoed scenario where they could not publish their reports until Tuesday, January 31st at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time or 9 a.m. for those of you on the West Coast. So that word hit the web on Monday, and I shared that over on the Twitter. By the way, speaking of Twitter, if you are not following me on Twitter, you are missing out. I've been uh, I've been over on there a lot lately. Things have gotten really exciting again online, and there's a lot to discuss. And I've got old friends coming out of the woodworks to give me very interesting, very privileged information. Because on Monday, we hear about this meeting. And I'm just on the edge of my seat. I want to know what was said. But, you know, at this point, I'm like, I'm out of the scoop game. You know, I don't try to reach out to anybody. I don't try to do any digging. I really try to make it so that the filmmakers that I respect and adore so much can just work and do their jobs and not have fear that some leaker is going to go online and stooge off their plans to the world before those plans are ready to be shared with the world. So I wasn't looking for any information. I wasn't knocking on my usual, you know, back doors that I have over there like I used to do. I just I was ready to just leave well enough alone, 
go about my business and find out on Tuesday at 12, like everybody else. But that night, I was driving home from having uh, just finished teaching a DJ workshop, because that's something I do now. Now I train up and coming DJs, which is crazy to think I've become that guy after 20 years. That's right. Next month, I'm celebrating 20 years in the only job I've ever needed in my adult life, which I began at the age of 19, which is that of being a DJ here in the New York tri-state area. So Monday night, I had just wrapped up a workshop teaching the, the trainees some, some stuff, and I'm driving home, and all of a sudden, an old friend slid into my DMs with a very tantalizing first message. Hey, you want to hear this late? <laughs> I'm like, dot, dot, dot. Uh, I don't know. Do I? And uh, they proceeded to share with me a full slate of what was going to be announced the next day. And I got to tell you, I was on pins and needles because I'm like, this is, this is crazy. This is the information I've been dying to have for months. And this is information that like, I could break the internet here. I could break this story if I wanted, you know, I'm not under an embargo. I wasn't invited to Burbank to go to war to the Warner Brothers lot and get this. So I'm not under any legal issues or, 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 limitations whatsoever. Nothing would happen to me. Of course, in theory, it would still backfire against me because, you know, I run a website called Superman on film. And the last thing I want to do is get on their naughty list. You know, I, I want to be able to cover these Superman things, uh, hopefully from a closer vantage point. I would love to one day be one of those journalists who gets invited <clears throat> to those kind of meetings. So here I am sitting here with this list of projects and I decided, you know, I'm going to let loose a couple of very vague, non-spoiler sort of observations and things just to kind of stoke interest. Because that's my thing, too. If I'm going to get privileged information, I'm never going to use it to try to bury anything. I'm never going to use it to try to hurt a project. Because to me, that just totally flies in the face of what we're here to do and what I should be doing as someone who is a fan first. Before anything else, before I ever started blogging or podcasting about this stuff back in 2014, before anything, I was just a diehard, devout fan of all these characters and all these stories. So I don't want to do anything that's going to, you know, turn me into a pain in the ass nuisance to the people who are creating in this world that I care about so much. So I put out a couple things just to kind of you know, get, keep the interest going and let people know that I've seen it. And there's some interesting stuff to keep an eye out for that. There are some things on this list that nobody saw coming. And, uh, it was, it was a very fun night and I pretty much couldn't sleep the, the, the whole night. I'm like, Oh boy. You know, I hope I, first of all, I hope that my list is accurate. I hope that my, my friend who hooked me up, who, by the way, was not a member of the media. They didn't break any legal embargo things either. This is not a fellow reporter. This is not a writer of for any major publication. This is someone who works in a completely different field from those people, but happens to work intimately at that workplace. And uh, while they work at a different facet of things, they are very, very interested in all things geek. So they keep their ear to the ground and sometimes they hear huge things. So uh, they gave me this list 
and trust and listen, there was a little bit of skepticism. I saw a name or two on there that I'm like, that sounds a little, I don't know, would they really name a project the brave and the bold? Like that sounds really kind of like cartoony, you know, and 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 the the Green Lantern show. Well, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. I haven't revealed what the projects are yet. Then again, if you're listening to this. Uh, chances are you already know all of the projects that were announced, but just in case you didn't, I'm going to read the list. And this is actually the list that was sent to me. I don't need to go uh, to, to a website somewhere and see the list. I can just refer to my DMs uh, because, yes, my source ended up being 100% ironclad, spot on. So here's the list I was given on Monday night, January the 30th that ended up going public on January 31st at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So we found out as part of this announcement that the Batman was going to be called, the Batman sequel was going to be called The Batman Part 2, and it was going to get a release date, and it did. It got a release date in October of 2025. That's when we're finally going to see it. I didn't write down the release date, but I, I trust that you can Google that. And you, you have plenty of time to make your plans for October 2025. But so that was a sequel to the Batman. Not really a big deal. We knew it was coming. But now we have a sort of name for it, which is kind of grandiose, right? Like Godfather, Godfather Part 2. This is the Batman, the Batman Part 2. And uh, now for the actual DC releases, which this is one of the things, by the way, where I realized, and I, and I mentioned this on Monday night as part of my vague teases, was that I was way off about the number of projects they'd be announcing. If you listen to last week's show and the show before that, where we were trying to speculate which projects might get announced, which projects we would love to hear get announced, one of the things that we kept saying is it's probably going to be like three or four movies. And, uh, well, it's, it's, it's much more than that because we're looking at, I think seven, we got information on seven movies and five TV shows. Okay. So look, one of those movies was the Batman that we got information on, but here are the actual DCU films that we found out about the next day. We got the title for James Gunn's Superman movie, the one that he's writing, not directing. More news on that later. Uh, the title of the Superman movie is Superman Legacy, and it comes out on July 11th, 2025. So we got a title and we got a release date for the Superman reboot that's on the way. Then on the list, we have Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, which is being is based on the comic book by the same name, which is a very interesting one. And Gunn goes into further detail in his announcement on the matter. If you haven't checked that out yet, he dropped like a five or six minute video where he talks about all this stuff, including the the basic sort of inspiration for each project and, and what you can sort of expect from there. So uh, definitely look into that. Then they announced Batman, the brave and the bold. So right there, I'm like, oh, wow. So my friend, like, you know, even the thing I was skeptical of, no, they are releasing a movie called The Brave and the Bold. It's a Batman team up movie that focuses on his relationship with his son, Damian Wayne. And James Gunn went out of his way to say that this is the beginning of the Bat family on film. 
So for those of you who've been bugging out, hoping that we at some point get the Bat family on the big screen, it's finally happening. I remember there's always been like anticipation around that idea because in the comics, it's been used to great effect in the last several years. And people love this idea of the Bat family. And James Gunn went ahead and confirmed that we are going to be getting the Bat, the Bat family on the big screen in the years to come. So holy crap. Up next, The Authority. Now, The Authority seems to be an interesting one where it seems like it's going to be like two different things because there's there's talk about an animated series, but there's also talk of a live action movie. And what he says is interesting about that. He says that he's going to be casting these roles so that the voice actors that play them are also the actors who portray them in the live action. Did you hear that? So if you voice these characters for the animated series, you will also be acting them out in the live action end of things. So there's going to be synergy across everything, including in gaming. So let's say we're talking about the DCU Batman. That DCU Batman will be the same actor, whether you're watching a movie, whether he's making a cameo on some DCU show on HBO Max, whether he's showing up in an animated series, it's going to be, or even in a video game, it's going to be the same actor throughout. And that excites the hell out of me. I love that kind of stuff. Like, you know, I made a comparison earlier today over on the Twitter about like the fact that Cameron Monaghan, the guy who plays Cal Kestis in Jedi Fallen Order, you know, the character doesn't, he doesn't just voice the character. The character was modeled off of his actual face and likeness. And he is the same age and look as Cal Kestis. So let's say on one of these Disney Plus shows like Kenobi, they decided they wanted to have Cameron Monaghan play Cal Kestis in the show. They could do that. And I'm like, I for some reason, I just I've always loved the synergy of having having the same actor appear across several mediums. I think that's so cool. Same thing where. Um, in Kenobi last year, when they brought out the villain Cad Bane, and they got the same actor to voice him there as had voiced him many, many years ago in the Clone Wars animated series. I just find that stuff really cool. So, um, yeah, so the authority looks like it's going to have an animated component and a live action component. Also announced Swamp Thing. And he refers to this as like a dark horror movie just like a straight up horror flick we are getting swamp thing and no this is not this is not linked to the beloved but quickly canceled swamp thing series that was on the dc universe app a few years back no 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 this is going to be an all new thing that delves into his origins and apparently they're looking at alan moore's run with swamp thing as their uh guidepost as they put together that movie and uh a little more on who might be directing that in a bit but let's get through the slate now we move over to tv where there's going to be an animated series called creature commandos this is so james gunn isn't it uh from the authority to creature commandos this is very james gunn some of this and i i honestly don't know a ton about that I can't, uh, and I, I don't have any notes on it in front of me because it's probably the project that I have least amount of innate interest in just because I don't really know much about it. Same thing with the authority. That's also down there towards the bottom of my list because I'd never heard of it 
until they, this announcement, until I got that text Monday night with it. I'm like, what the hell's the authority? Um, okay. So we, on TV, we've got the creature commandos. We've got Waller. Yes. The rumored Amanda Waller spinoff from the suicide squad. Well, and it's the same Viola Davis, Amanda Waller that we met in 2016's suicide squad. Waller is getting her own spinoff and they've got the creative minds from the phenomenal Watchmen series that came out a couple years ago, as well as the beloved and recently canceled Doom Patrol. So they've got some real bangers there working behind the scenes. They got some real aces, talented people working on these things. So very excited. Then... And this is one that I had put on that poll last, uh, like two or three weeks ago about movies that you'd like to hear announced. And apparently it's not a movie. It's a TV series, Booster Gold. Yes, there's going to be a Booster Gold TV series. So, um, wow. And then last but not least, and this is another one where when I saw this on the list that was sent to me, it made me a little bit like hesitant to believe that this could be true. But it's a series called Paradise Lost. And it's basically a prequel series about Themyscira, which is where Wonder Woman is from. We've seen Themyscira a couple times now in the Gal Gadot Wonder Woman movies, as well as in both versions of Justice League. But it looks like they're going more with a continuity where it's called Paradise Island, which is a different sort of way of referring to it. And I'm pretty sure they announce what comics that they're basing that on. I, unfortunately, I'm not too well versed in the world of uh, Wonder Woman's comic books, so uh, you'll have to research that independently. But yes, Paradise Lost is the last of the projects that was announced on that day. So um, just in terms of this slate, you know, th there wasn't anything that was jaw dropping to me, really. There wasn't, you know, we, we had already kind of heard rumors that there was going to be a DCU Batman. So that wasn't entirely shocking. Swamp Thing is very cool. And I kind of wish Brett was here for this episode because he's a big Swamp Thing mark. And I know he'd be losing his head right now talking about how excited he is for that. Um, but uh, like, yeah, none of these things really, you know, like blew me away. Actually, wait, I glossed over one. So sorry. I revoke my geek card. Uh, the other project that I've neglected to menu menu mention is lanterns. It's just being called lanterns. And this is a green lantern TV series for HBO max. It is not the one that had been developed by JJ Abrams or Jeff Johns or anything. It looks like similar to what's going to be happening with a potential third Wonder Woman movie. They basically took it away from the creators who were working on it and are redeveloping it into something else. So Lanterns is going to focus on both Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart. James Gunn made a tantalizing comparison to HBO's True Detective in terms of the dynamic between the two and this idea that they are these intergalactic cops with their respective beat. And um, he also, speaking of tantalizing teases, he also said that they stumble onto something on that TV show that is going to essentially usher in the big threat that's going to, that everyone's going to be dealing with in the big picture story. Because again, 
they're going to be telling a story that involves all of these projects filling in small pieces of the larger puzzle. Very sort of MCU-like, but uh, I've got some quotes about the comparisons between the DCU and the MCU. But, um, so, all right, so that right there, those those uh, 12 projects that I just described to you, those are the dawn of the DCU, but even more so, they are what comprises chapter one. And yes, that seems to be what, uh, you know, the, the official sort of verbiage we're going with. Remember, Brett and I were talking about that last week, this idea of chapters and how he's looking at this truly as one big expansive story. And he took it a step further because he titled chapter one as if there's a thematic through line running through each of these projects. And what he refers to chapter one as is gods and monsters. Interesting, right? And it makes sense, right? We've got gods in there. We've got Superman. We've got Supergirl who are essentially demigods. And we've got monsters. We've got Swamp Thing in there. And uh, we have whatever the Green Lanterns discover in their intergalactic uh, investigations. So, yes, listen to that. Chapter one, gods and monsters. Really interesting. I like the idea that, like, he's got, like, a, an overall theme and arc that he's working out in his mind and that the chapter itself has, like, a, a, a thematic through line. I really do enjoy that. Um and also included in that announcement is the fact that projects like Joker 2 with Joaquin Phoenix and Lady Gaga, projects like The Batman 2, projects like, yes, the Ta-Nehisi Coates Superman movie that we've heard so much about and we've speculated on, it looks like that project is living on and it's going to be officially under an alternate banner, an Elseworlds banner. Doesn't that sound great? Remember a few years ago, they sort of teased us with the possibility of that. There was talk of maybe launching like a DC black label or something so that the fans could actually follow what's going on. Where like, is this connected to this? Is that connected to that? There's so many versions of Batman running around, so many versions of the Joker running around. What is connected? What? What is the continuity here? And that's something that, that Gunn talks about. Uh, he talked about a lot this week. And I've got some quotes. I'm going to be reading about that in a second in terms of the continuity and how things have been handled up until him taking the reins. But yes, we are going to get officially an Elseworlds banner. And that is music to my ears. It really, like in so many ways, so many of these things that have been going on of late, it feels like, Somebody with a lot of power watches my show. <laughs> Listen, I, I know, I know, I know there's no chance that people are being directly influenced by what I've been talking about here on this show for the last few years. But there are a lot of coincidences where like issues that are a huge deal to me are they get addressed somehow. <laughs> And uh, ideas for how to portray these characters or how to tell these things on a larger scale or whatever, you know, somehow uh, the project starts to mirror my wish list. You know, I mean, Superman and Lois in a lot of ways is, a, is my wish list. Um, but anyway, I digress. 
the fact that somebody's finally taking charge of the continuity issues and they're going to launch a legitimate Elseworlds brand. First of all, it's like, duh, why didn't they, they do that from the beginning? What was the holdup to begin with? Why wouldn't you just, if you're going to launch these projects that are outside of whatever your main story is, you got to let people know what they're watching or they're going to be confused. So, you know, James Gunn is, is coming in, cleaning the house and taking care of uh, what has needed to be taken care of for so long, even right down to the way that they made this announcement. I'm very like proud and impressed of the way James Gunn and Peter Safran have handled things so far. Because like, what are we used to? We're used to hearing reports and leaked rumors and all kinds of just mud in the water about different DC projects that may or may not be coming. And it just leads to all kinds of speculation and some projects happen and some projects don't. And there's always just been like a bit of a mess. Their, their messaging has always been an issue. And this seems like there's no discipline over there. There's been no steady hand kind of guiding DC's uh, brand to the larger public. Just one main person making sure that everything is coherent and easy to follow. And if you look at how they handled this week, it's fascinating. This whole thing of getting all of the media members there on Monday, signing them to an embargo, telling them everything, but then giving them the controlled release date and time of Tuesday at noon. And then it continued from there. Because then the next day, you could tell this is all strategic. The next day, the world woke up to James Mangold, the director of Logan and 310 to Yuma and uh, the upcoming Indiana Jones 5. And listen, James Mangold brings, he brings it. James Mangold is one of my favorite directors um, working today. James Mangold, in the middle of the night, I'm not Billy Joel, I swear, but he tweeted out an image of Swamp Thing. And then James Gunn liked the tweet. And wouldn't you know it, a couple hours later, the Hollywood Reporter popped up with a, with a headline that James Mangold is currently in talks to direct Swamp Thing. And you can tell this is all strategic. Like he's he's found a way to like dominate the week's headlines here. Okay, between calling in the media and that itself causing a stir on Monday, then the very timed and strategic and planned release of the information on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, we start finding out about directors. You know, it's like everything is so disciplined and carefully sort of mapped out so far. And we might even get another announcement. Who knows? While I'm recording this we might get some more information about which directors are circling what. Because I certainly heard an interesting rumor, which I'll be getting to when I officially reach the Superman on film update for this week's episode. But uh, this time, rather than open with it, I'm saving it for towards the end. So I can just kind of go long form on soups. But for now, I want to just focus on uh, all these announcements and the, 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 the great way in the, that it's all been revealed so far. So yeah, listen to that. James Mangold directing Swamp Thing. And beyond that, the talent in general that Gunn is pulling in is another part of the story here. 
because if he's getting someone like James Mangold to direct Swamp Thing, this means that this is not going to be like an MCU situation. Because remember, the MCU for the first several years, you know, the directors were kind of just hired guns. Unless you were John Favreau or unless you were Joss Whedon, all the directors were kind of being brought in and told that they had to kind of basically get the story from point A to point B and from point B to point C. And we've talked about a lot how some of these films, you have no idea who even directed them because you can tell it was kind of made by committee and that these directors weren't really able to kind of stretch their creative wings and put their fingerprints on these projects that really they just had to sort of follow the Marvel template. So that the director's identity or whoever's actually in the director's chair, it almost doesn't matter because there, there's no real auteur voice calling the shots. It's just, you know, it, everyone that's hired is just there to kind of do their small little task to feed the bigger picture. But so far, things are very different because if James Mangold is coming into play and Ben Affleck, which I've got a quote on that I'm going to get to in a second, is in play. That's interesting. And look at this writer's room. Because one thing that he mentioned too is he's working with writers to map out the full story. Okay. The full story. They're not going to be making this up as they go. They're not going to reverse engineer these movies. They are mapping out the story first, and then they're going to put the projects into motion. But as part of his creative brain trust, he's also got the likes of Drew Goddard in there. He's got the likes of Christina Hodson in there, which is a really big deal because that shows some synergy, okay, with what's come before. Because Christina Hodson, if you'll recall, also wrote The Birds of Prey. She also wrote The Flash. And at some point, if I'm not mistaken, she had been hired to write a Supergirl movie. Now, I don't think they've announced who's writing Supergirl. Maybe her project became that. I don't know, the Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow movie. But the fact that Christina Hodson is still in the mix shows that James Gunn loved what she did with The Flash so much that she's sticking around. And yes, there's going to be some continued synergy between what's come before and what is still to come. So he's got some exciting names. Like I said already, he had you know, the people from the, the, the writer from Doom Patrol, the EP from Watchmen. He's pulling in some heavy hitters with serious resumes. And they are all together reading through some of this lore. They are reading certain books as they're like touchstone properties. And together they're working to map out a huge story for us, a huge slate of films. So with all of that said, let's get into some quotes. Let's get into some quotes. I'm going to start with some stuff that seems to differentiate between the DCU and the MCU, because since James Gunn does come from that world, having done the Guardians of the Galaxy movies and having been a known... Um, what would you call that? Uh, a, a known, uh, eh. I'm trying to think of what you call like a criminal, a known, not, not known assailant known. Ah, I'm drawing a blank. That sucks. But, uh, uh damn it. It's going to bother me. I'm going to keep moving. A known, uh, yeah, he worked alongside Kevin Feige and we know that he helped map out some of the cosmic ideas 
when the when the MCU started going out into space a little more with some of the stuff that's going on now and the stuff that that's sort of been planted ever since Captain Marvel came out. We know that Gunn was kind of part of that creative brain trust for the MCU. And a lot of people have thought, is that does that mean he's just going to turn DC into Marvel and follow the same sort of you know path that they did? Well, here's what he had to say on that matter. He said, a lot of people think it's going to be Marvel 2.0. And definitely, I learned a lot of stuff at Marvel. I think that we have a lot of differences. I think that one of the reasons why I love DC is that it really is another universe. It's an alternate world. With Marvel, generally, it's New York, Chicago, San Francisco. Here at DCU, we have Metropolis, Gotham, Themyscira, and Atlantis. All of that is another fictional universe, and this is the world that we're creating. I love that, too. I've always loved that about DC versus Marvel, that there's just something more like mythical about it. Having these not having it set in just plain terrestrial earth gives you a chance to kind of tell bigger, grander, more mythological stories with DC. So I love that he hit on that. He said, and then he went on to say, we're coming into a world where superheroes exist and have existed for some time in one form or another. And that's the universe. We are telling a huge central story that is like Marvel Studios, except for I think that we're a lot more planned out than Marvel did from the beginning, because we've gotten a group of writers together to work that story out completely. But we're also creating a universe that is like Star Wars, where there's different times and different places, different things, or like Game of Thrones, where characters are a little bit more morally complex. I feel like I want to just comment on that. Like that, that's something that people have to think about too. It's interesting that it's not just going to be running on one linear timeline. Like this movie happens at the same time as that movie or that movie, you know, when that one ends and the next one comes out, this is what happened next. Like, no, there's going to be points where like Superman legacy, that might be a story that's set in 2010. And the, the brave and the bold might be a story that's set in 2035. And Green Lantern could be in the 90s. Like, you know, we have no idea, but it's interesting that there's going to be sort of different times, different places, and that it's all going to kind of come together, but they're not telling it in some very neat, linear sort of way. He continued. Uh, I started Guardians of the Galaxy with a story of what of what that trilogy was, where it started and where it ended. That story is just the smaller version of doing this. I've been inside a company that did very well. It's very different than us. Marvel didn't have everything completely worked out ahead of time, but they did a lot of things really well, one of which is not giving up. I really love that about Kevin and Lou and the old gang, that I've seen them turn bad movies into okay movies, okay movies into good movies, and good movies into great movies because they don't because they do not fucking stop. They give it whatever it needs to make it as good as it can possibly be until the 11th hour, and there will be editing the day before the premiere. A lot. Too much. I like that he added too much at the end. <laughs> um, 
but yes, yeah, so that that's a lot of the ways in which he thinks that the DCU is going to be able to differentiate differentiate itself from the MCU, and that the story is going to be mapped out well in advance. And he's got a collaborative team of writers who are kind of helping make that entire architecture. And um, and just, you know, I, even the whole thing about having characters that are a little more morally complex and all that kind of stuff. It seems like he's not you know, he, he's not under any limitations to tell like a sanitized Disney approved story where the good guys are clearly good and the bad guys are clearly bad. And there's no sort of like you know, morally ambiguous, complex characters at the center of anything, you know? Um, and not that all the Marvel movies are like that, but you know, he just seems to imply that he uh, he's ready to go kind of deep here and that these aren't just going to be simple, little, fizzy, you know, popcorn movies. So I like that quite a bit. He also said, we have a lot to prove. It's going to be up to us to show the audience what our universe is, how this is connected, to clearly demarcate what is the DCU and what is Elseworlds, and to move like that going forward. It's going to take a while. It's going to take a bit of explanation. But, there's, but we're very confident that by the time Superman Legacy comes out, that people will understand what... The, that people will understand that what they'll understand. See, somebody wrote this weird. My apologies. That people will understand what the DCU is. So, in other words, Superman Legacy is going to make very clear sort of what the canon is and how this story is going to be uh, unfurled. He said, and now this is on the issue of continuity. He says, it's really important to me to make the continuity accessible. I just dealt with it with Guardians as being, you know, I want people to understand the story no matter who walks in. If somebody turns on the first episode of Booster Gold, even if it's connected to something else, I want them to understand what's going on. I want somebody who, if Superman's in the authority and they go and watch the authority, I want them to be able to understand what's going on in the authority without seeing Superman. What's important to me is to make these movies work in and of themselves and by themselves and not have them be completely dependent. Now, there's always going to be small confusion and things will tell a big story like this. It's unavoidable. But for the most part, it's really important to me that each individual project is understood by somebody going to see it so that it's good enough that then they'll go, oh, I got to go vod superman or watch it on hbo max or wherever um continuing onward with when it comes to the uh continuity issue he says as everyone here probably knows the history of dc is pretty messed up it was fucked up no one was minding the mint they were giving away ip like they were party favors at any at any creator who smiled at them there is the Arrowverse. There was the DCEU, which then split and became the Joss Whedon Justice League at one point, and the Snyderverse at another point. There is Superman and Lois. There is Reevesverse. There are all these different things, and even us. We came and did Suicide Squad, and that became Peacemaker. And all of a sudden, Batmite is a real thing. 
He also talked about in some of these where, you know, you were able to kind of go over the studio's head at times and just kind of make things work however you saw fit. It sounds like he was able to almost take advantage of that. Remember, he lived this firsthand. He came in as a filmmaker and kind of saw how easy it was for the directors to kind of fudge things and do things their way and not be beholden to what is the plan here. So it looks like he's come in, he's cracking the whip. There's going to be a plan. The buck is going to stop at his and Peter's desk. He's already warned that, listen, some filmmakers are going to get mad at us because there's going to be times and we have notes, but it just is what it is. You know, so somebody has to be accountable for what's being put out there with the DC name on it. It can't just be, oh, you want to make a DC movie? You get a DC movie. You get a DC movie. Everybody gets a DC movie. Like, no, he wants a coherent, cohesive vision for this thing. And I, and that's just music to my ears. That's something that like, again, it's, it's something I've been begging for on this show for what feels like years now. So, um, so yeah. And also when it comes to the Elseworld bit too, you know, Saffron said something, I don't have the quote in front of me, but essentially that there's going to be a very high bar set that if you want to get a project green lit under the Elseworlds banner, it's going to have to be really amazing because they, they don't want to risk using these characters in a way that's just going to water them down or confuse audiences. It's going to have to be something that is really expertly crafted and told like the Joker, like the Batman, like presumably the Ta-Nehisi Coates Black Superman movie. So it's going to be interesting to see what other films eventually fall under that banner. You know, will they go and pull the trigger on like a live action Superman Red Sun, let's say, you know, are they going to like, it's just, it, it's going to be very interesting to see what falls under Elseworlds. Although I kind of have a feeling that the current ones, the ones he inherited, because that is kind of like the, the elephant in the room too, with these other movies, it's not like he could just be like, now nah, we're not going to release Joker. Like that's already in production. There's already buzz around that. The first movie made a billion bucks. He kind of had to continue with the Joker. You know, and with the Batman, too, well, he couldn't do anything about that. You know, the first film was a big success and fans loved it and critics loved it. And Matt Reeves is, you know, he he was already working on Batman, too, long before James Gunn got this job. So, again, he inherited these. The Ta-Nehisi Coates, J.J. Abrams, Black Superman movie. Again, that was as that was requested by the studio in 2021. And the script was turned in in early 2022. Again, it predates Gun, so it's going to be interesting now moving forward, um, to see what kind of projects get green lit under the Elseworld banner, under the watchful eye of Gun and Saffron, who are saying it's going to have to be something pretty damn great if we're going to produce it outside of the DCU. Um, so now, I think. Well, you know what? And there's one other one before I get into the Superman on film update for the week. There's also, aside from the announced projects, there is apparently a secret project. According to Jeff Snyder, a well-regarded and well-respected film insider, or an in-Snyder, if you will, according to Jeff, there is a project that was not announced and the reason it wasn't announced is because the title would give away too much. Now, what could that mean? You know, it means that it's a title 
that just innately kind of tells you where they're going. It's it, it, the title is a spoiler just by hearing it. So, you know, what could that be? You know, it, it's like if there was a movie called Infinite Crisis. Oh, then you know what's going on, you know? Um, or what if it's something like it's called World's Finest? And he doesn't want to reveal that because now you know there's going to be a Superman and Batman team-up movie. You know, so let the speculation begin on this secret project. But I just wanted you to know what the secret project seems to be. You know, and who knows? Or it could be something like Justice League Dark, which kind of instantly gives away where they're going with Swamp Thing. You know, so who knows what this secret project is? But just know that aside from these... um, there is apparently another project. And I think there might even be more because when you look at it, when you go to James Gunn's Twitter and you look at the, the, the video that he released where he talks about this stuff, he says, here are just a few of our plans, a few of our plans. So these 11 DCU projects are just a few of their plans. So it seems like there is more still to come. This is literally just the first wave of stories that are on the way. And it's interesting, too, that we've already got a a release date for Superman Legacy. It's only two years away. That's actually pretty good. That means that he must think that this film will be able to enter production in 2024. So if that's the case, you know, he's writing it. And later this year, we're going to get into casting, maybe right around when Brett said me and Brett last week, we were like, "Mm, it'd be interesting to have one of those great Hall H panels at Comic-Con at the end of July. And you unveil some of the actors for these projects that are coming out. What a great time to have Wolfgang Novogratz come out. By the way, he's totally firmly moved into my like dream casting for for clark superman wolfgang novogratz that's just again i haven't heard anything that's not based on any kind of insider anything at all i just i dig the guy i've i've been searching up clips and movies he's appeared in and the more i hear him talk the more i see him in action the more i'm just like wow this kid was born to be superman he's got that clark kent vibe down perfectly and the older he gets, he he's going to grow into it more. He's going to fill out and he's going to become a proper man of steel. But for now, if we're going for a 25-year-old Superman, because that is another thing that came up this week. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Clark Kent is set to be at around 25 years old. So if you hire Wolfgang Novogratz, who's currently 25 years old, and he's going to be here for the, presumably for the eight to 10 year run as uh as superman you know that gives him a lot of time to really grow into the role so um yes okay so i guess i feel like i can go ahead now and go into this week's superman on film update so let's talk we've got a movie title now we've we've had a movie now for a few months we've known since december now that we've got a superman movie coming but our movie has a title superman legacy and uh you know what before i say what i'm about to say because i have a theory about what that could mean or what you know why he would call it that and what is a legacy 
A legacy is the long-lasting impact of particular events, actions, etc. that took place in the past or of a person's life. Legacy. So see, some people automatically think that you have to be dead to leave a legacy. And no, that's not a thing. So once again, legacy is the long-lasting impact of particular events, actions, etc. that took place in the past or of a person's life. So for me, if we're starting with a film called Legacy, and this is basically step one in a Superman story, it makes it connects me to how I've always felt that Superman's mission on Earth should be presented, which is that he's here to inspire hope. He's here through his actions to leave some kind of lasting legacy here on Earth that inspires us to be better. I've always said that the most intriguing Superman mythology would be one that centers on a Krypton that does not explode because of some scientific mumbo jumbo that was unavoidable and random because the sun is too close now or the axis or this or that. No, I've always said that a really intriguing way to approach this is you give a Krypton where the people there destroyed it through their own hubris, through starting something, whatever the, the, the space equivalent of a nuclear war would be. They had their own world war on Krypton and it destroyed the planet. And part of the reason why Jor-El sent Cal here wasn't just to avoid the sudden death of the impending war and the impending destruction of their home world, but because he saw that Earth was on a similar track, that Earth could be a place where everything works out and there could be peace and harmony and they could come together and achieve wonders but they're currently on a path towards self-destruction, be it through endless war, be it through nuclear power, be it through destroying our natural resources and destroying our oceans and cutting down our forests and all that kind of stuff. We are on the path towards destroying our own home world. And Jor-El thought, I'm going to send them Kal-El with this special mission so that my son can inspire these people to do better. And maybe they'll be able to avoid Earth becoming what Krypton became. And so to me, when I hear a title like Superman Legacy, and by the way, we have a quote uh, from them a little further about how they're describing the story so far. Um, it says... It focuses on Superman balancing his Kryptonian heritage with his human upbringing. He is kind in a world that thinks of kindness as old-fashioned. I love that line. I love that line. He is kind in a world that thinks of kindness as old-fashioned. And that's Peter Safran who said that. And then Gunn himself added, he's a big old galoot. He's a farm boy from Kansas who is very idealistic. His greatest weakness is that he'll never kill anybody and doesn't want to hurt a living soul. And I like that sort of innate goodness about Superman as his defining characteristic. I mean, yeah, I could almost cry thinking about that. There's always been something to me. It's one of the reasons I love Superman, but this idea that 
Like kindness just moves me. Anytime, you know, be it in a movie, be it in real life, that whenever somebody steps out of themselves to do something kind and generous for somebody else in a selfless way, it it, it can move me to tears. You know, it's, it's sometimes I purposely, like when I need a nice dopamine hit, I'll look at happy videos of, you know, people doing kind things, you know, or big surprises where, you know, I just, that stuff moves me. And this idea of a, of a, of, first of all, the writer of the film, the people responsible for the movie, referring to Superman as kindness in a world that thinks of kindness as old fashioned. I've always said, that's how you need to address Superman too. I've always said the key to telling a modern Superman story isn't to make him dark, isn't to make him complex and, 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 and angsty is to make the world around him dark and murky. And he's the canary in the coal mine. He's true blue things trying to steer us in the right direction and trying to lead by example, even as we seem to miss the point every day. It's not to let the darkness of others seep into his heart and fill him with doubt and make him upset. It's, you know, he is, he's the exception to the rule. He's the guiding light that shows the way. So everything about what they had to say about Superman so far uh, has me just totally ready, totally ready for what they're doing. And if it's legacy, I think it's, you know, it's him grappling with his Kryptonian heritage and this enormous responsibility of, you know, dad, how could you give me this job? You know, when he's in the Fortress of Solitude, finding out about this, finding out that Jor-El means for him to not just like come here and survive, but to teach these people how to avoid destroying themselves the way Krypton did. And it's immediate. It, there is immediacy to that for Clark because he'll outlive whatever they do. If there is a World War Three and nuclear warheads blow up the entire planet, he'll be fine. He, he, he can go off world. He's freaking Superman. So the immediacy of feeling like now my home world is on the verge of a similar collapse. And I have to find a way to inspire enough people, not just by saving people, not just by trying to be everywhere at once, but by trying to show people the right way to treat one another and what the earth needs, all that. You know, I just, to me, that's what the legacy means. He's trying to figure out what kind of a legacy he can have, what impact he can have through his actions on this earth to, so that earth can continue. That's how he wants to save us. Not just by stopping us from getting run over by cars, but by inspiring us to be better and inspiring us to want to help others at all costs. You know? So when I hear legacy, it's more, I think it's going to be a story about how he tries to impact us in a positive way. So love it, love it, love it. Um, and I kind of want to circle back to an interesting quote about the people Gunn has on his sort of team, his architecture team, um, as he's putting together the DCU. Because remember a couple of weeks ago, I think I actually, it was when he announced that Henry Cavill wasn't returning. 
he dropped an interesting tease about the fact that apparently they were speaking to Ben Affleck and that Ben Affleck might be someone who directs something. And at the time, you know, it was an interesting thing for him to float out there, but I didn't really put much stock into it. I kind of thought maybe, you know, it's just one of those things where like, yeah, we'll see if it works out. But, you know, it was maybe a way for him to try to like make peace with, with disgruntled DCEU fans who are upset about the fact that essentially a reboot is coming. So he's like, I'll throw them a bone and make them think that maybe Affleck has signed off on this. You know, I was a, there's a skeptic in me. There's a part of me that's like, eh, I, I highly doubt that Ben Affleck is eager to run back and do some comic book movies after the experience he had. And, uh, well, um, Here's a quote that came out earlier this week that I'm going to uh, link to just something you should be considering. He says, this is James Gunn on Ben Affleck. He says, we're working with Ben Affleck, who really wants to be, has been a part of our architecture team. Full stop. Okay. He corrects himself. He doesn't say who he says, who really wants to be, then stops, says, has been part of our architecture team trying to bring things together. And he really wants to direct one of our projects. And we're excited for him doing that. So that quote in and of itself, I thought was pretty great. Because now it's no longer just this loose, yeah, you know, we, we're going to try to make it work. You know, we'll see if maybe we could bring Ben Affleck in. No, here they are flat out revealing that he's a part of the architecture team. He has been part of it. So as they've been formulating Chapter 1, Gods and Monsters, as they've been formulating this slate of projects and what the big picture is going to be, Ben Affleck has been a part of those discussions. He has had input. He's He's been a part of this. So that right there got me into speculating. I'm like, oh, imagine, you know, he doesn't want to play Batman anymore. But imagine they get him to direct the Brave and the Bold movie. And that way it's a neat way to kind of like full circle things. You know, have him come back to the world of Batman in a totally sort of new role and um, help, you know, shepherd and usher Batman, a, a new era of Batman for the big screen. By the way, sorry about that sound. I am in a garage and I share a garage with my neighbors. So that is my neighbor. It's probably Rick coming to the garage to grab something. So you're going to hear that in the background. And uh, I'm just going to keep powering, plowing through this. So, yes, Ben Affleck has been a part of the architecture team. And I started thinking, wouldn't it be cool if it was brave and bold? Wouldn't it be cool if it was maybe something like that lanterns show? Because if it's going to be like cop like and detective, like I could see Ben Affleck wanting to perhaps do something in the green lantern space. And, you know, and, and it's more, it's a mini series. It's probably a little smaller scale than working on some big, crazy blockbuster might be more his speed might be more what he's looking to do at this stage of his career. But shortly before I began recording today, I heard from one of my friends out on that side of the world that apparently the project, thanks Rick. <laughs> or Michelle. Um, so yeah, the door is closing. So I'm going to have privacy in just a second, but, um, 
And there it is. Thank you for putting up with that. So the project that he may very well be circling is Superman Legacy. That's right. It hasn't been announced yet. It's early days. I was even advised not to, you know, write about, you know, say it's happening because it, 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 it's not necessarily a lock. It's apparently going to be between Superman legacy and something else. He's he apparently like there's two options, but the word on the street is that Ben Affleck may be directing Superman legacy. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Can you imagine that? If Ben Affleck, on top of that, remember, Superman Legacy is being considered the beginning of the DCU. Um, that was something else that came in the announcement that I found really interesting. That he said that you know he he ran through the DC films that are coming out. He ran through Shazam and the Flash, which apparently he refers to as one of the greatest superhero movies of all time. That's what he referred to the Flash as. Okay. Um, I wonder why he's bringing back Christina Hudson, right? But uh, rumor has it, sorry, I lost my train of thought real bad there. Um, see, this is hard to do without a co-worker, a co-host to keep me on the rails. But Ben Affleck might be circling Superman legacy which is the first movie. That's what I was saying. James Gunn said that after Aquaman 2, he said something along the lines of is going to give way to or transition us to the first film of the DCU, which is Superman Legacy. So that's interesting too. Like, are they going to do a thing where like at the end of Aquaman, he, you know, th there's a like a post-credit thing where now Jason Momoa transitions into being Lobo. And that brings us to Superman Legacy. I don't know, but he—he he, there was something in Gunn's verbiage that made it sound like somehow Aquaman Two is going to open up the door or bring us to Superman Legacy. So we'll see what exactly he means by that. But if Superman Legacy is the start of the DCU, and Ben Affleck wants to be the one who kind of kicks that off. If he wants to be like what John Favreau was to Marvel by kicking things off with Iron Man and kind of like putting his mark on things right off the bat, imagine how the internet would break. Imagine how the world would explode knowing that Ben Affleck is not only returning to DC, but he's here to direct Superman Legacy. So we'll see. We'll see. For now, just file that as just a rumor. You know, apparently it's between that and another project, but I'm honestly shocked that that's the one he was thinking of. That is not one of the ones I would have speculated when I was trying to figure out where we fit him into things. I did not think Superman legacy was the project that Affleck is apparently flirting with. So we're going to see what happens because right before I hit record on this episode, uh, you know, the news kind of. A lot of people started to drop some Ben Affleck teases, and uh, I was amongst the first. So you really should be following me there over on the Twitter. But uh, yes, so keep your eyes peeled. Keep your ears open. There might be an announcement anytime now about that. 
or who knows, or James Gunn will pop up and uh, debunk it, pop up and debunk it. You know, we shall see. But for now, I think that's where I'm going to be leaving you today with that little tantalizing morsel about who might be directing Superman legacy and what I think the film is going to be centering on. All right. And uh, that does it for me. If you've enjoyed this week's show, thank you. Please like and share it. Leave a review on your podcatcher of choice. We got a new review last week from Nicholas Wade. So thank you, Nicholas. We're going to read your review on next week's show. Since you you mentioned Brett in it, I want to do it on an episode where Brett is actually here. But yes, please uh, leave a review, share. If you've got topics or comments or questions that you'd like covered here on the show, send them to thefanboypodcast at gmail.com. Follow the show on Twitter at thefanboyshow. Follow me on the Twitter at Superman on Film. And until next week, be kind and stay fanboy. Adios.